the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If you are looking for Christ to come, but you do not have Christ where it matters in your home, then the Christ that is coming will not be your friend. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. We're continuing in the Revelation series, and we're up to a message entitled, The Voice of the Vision. And we'll conclude that message here today on the broadcast. Remember, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Stay tuned at the end of today's broadcast. I'll have information on how you can attend the worship service in person if you would like. You can also attend anytime online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's join Pastor Mike now with the voice of the vision. Today's reaching your heart. So far, John hasn't seen anything at all. There's no beast. There are no prophetic scenes. All he sees is what he hears. So how do you how do you see when you hear a voice behind you commanding you to write what you see? It's kind of hard. How do you see if you can't see what's behind you? How can you see when you're blinded by your back and you can't see past the back of your head? Now I want to ask you a question. Now, if you close your eyes and you roll your eyes way back, when you sleep, they kind of go back. You don't see much, do you? But do you realize that when your eyes roll back in your head, when you sleep, the movie theater of your brain starts to operate, and you can see whatever your mind wants you to see. You see, sometimes we're so, we're so focused on seeing into the future. We're so f- focused on seeing the facts of what we can visualize with our eyes that sometimes we need to close our eyes and hear what's in coming to us from the voice of God and to see what is behind us because what is behind us can lead us into the future. So how do you see when, when you hear a voice behind you command you to write what you see? Before John came one step into the future, he had to go th- do three distinct actions in the present. Number one, John here has to stop and listen to the voice that is behind him that he cannot see. We have to do the same thing today. If you want to see Jesus, you have to stop and listen to the voice of God's surround sound that is coming out to you through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You have to listen. Secondly, John has to turn around. It's not good enough to just hear the voice calling out to you. You have to turn around to see the voice. And when you hear Jesus, you have to turn around to see Jesus. And only when you turn around can you see the one who is behind you coming down the road to find you. You know, when someone is behind you, they see that part of you that you can never see yourself. Am I right? If they're looking behind you, unless you have a mirror, you can't see, see that part of you that the eye cannot see. And the voice that comes behind is calling you to see that part of yourself which you need to see to move into the future. The metaphor of repentance in the text is the action of turning around. And John represents God's people who must turn around to see the vision of Jesus. The voice of the vision is the call to turn around. And when you turn around, you see Jesus. Now, very often we expect preachers to preach and only talk about things that make us feel good, right? Right? I'm right. 
I, I know how it works. Preacher, why don't you say something that makes me feel good? Well, do you realize that God is in the business of saying things that don't make you feel good so you can be good in the end? God is in the business of taking the raw truth of his word and interacting with that part of your life that must change. And so the voice is heard behind you. Friend, are you fighting that voice today? Don't fight it one day more. We are living on the eve of the advent of Jesus Christ. There are prophetic events ahead of us. We are living in a time when Revelation 13, 10, and 11, and 12 is in the process of being fulfilled. And the church of Christ is asleep. The people of God who should know at this time don't even want to hear prophecy in the church anymore. They want to listen to this other stuff. Listen to the trumpet call of Christ and stop and turn around in your life. And so the call to write the book of Revelation begins with a voice that is heard that requires you to turn around if you are going to see anything in life. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day because the Sabbath is a good time to turn around. The Sabbath is a day when you can stop and you can listen to the voice of God and you can turn around and see Jesus right here where Jesus is manifested. When the children of Israel were fleeing from Pharaoh in the exodus from Egypt, the Lord was leading them forward into the future when a sudden danger beset them. And when it looked like the enemy would destroy them all. I mean, here they were in the desert running from Pharaoh. The Red Sea before them. A sudden danger besets them. The armies of the enemy are, are here to take them out. Now, friends, when God is behind you, God is actively engaged in the fight to save you. God himself became the firewall in the Exodus to protect them from the evil army that was pursuing them, bent on killing everyone that day. Look at Exodus 14, 19. Then the angel of God who went before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. Now that messenger of the Lord is not a created being in the Exodus. The messenger of God is Jesus Christ, the guardian protector of the Jewish nation. That messenger was God's eternal son who was sent by God to lead them out of Egypt to the promised land. How do we know that? Exodus 23, 20 and 21, God says, I will send my angel before you. He will guard you in the way that you are to go. And he will lead you to the land that I have promised. Be careful to not rebel against him. For he will not pardon your rebellion. For my name is in him. The eternal name of Yahweh God in the guardian protector of the Jewish nation. So Jesus was leading them through the Red Sea when the enemies of God came from behind. So what did he do? He moved in the cloud from before them to behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved forward, pushing them into the future, not leading them when the enemies were behind them. When you're in trouble in life and you don't, you don't need God or Jesus in, your, in front of you, you need Christ behind you, covering that part which is behind from attack. The God who protects you and the God who defends you, dear heart, is the God who is behind you. Did you hear me? And so John hears a voice behind him because he's in trouble. And the voice that is behind him is the voice of the vision that saves him in his trouble. And no one can see behind their head, but God can. Now, trouble is the context of Revelation 1. There's a lot of trouble in the book of Revelation. You can't avoid it as a Christian. I mean, this notion, people say this. Well, when I become a Christian, I don't want any trouble. I don't want any trouble. Or they'll say, if I had known... That there was so much trouble becoming a Christian. I don't know. You ever hear that? Well, I'm telling you right now, 
If you've chosen Christ, get used to it. It's part of the program. Part of the program to address difficulties in your life and end-time difficulties and challenges. It's not a person who stands for Christ who will not be challenged by the world. So John hears a voice behind him because he's in trouble. And the voice that is behind him is the voice of the vision that saves him. The book of Revelation is the book of how God gets his people through trouble. Did you hear me? How many of you want to get through trouble? Well, the book of Revelation is God's vision of how you can get through trouble. We live in a troubled, troubled world and trouble pursues us on every side. And Christ is in the midst of the trouble behind us covering us from evil. Revelation 1.9, I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation. That's just another word for trouble. And the kingdom and the patient endurance was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. John was in trouble and he heard a voice behind him addressing the trouble. If you're in trouble, dear friend, there is a voice behind you calling out to you today. When you're in trouble, it's the God you see that saves you and calls you to stop and turn around. It is the Lord who is behind you that you cannot see, who prevents the enemy from overtaking you in life. It is the God who is behind you is coming for you in life. He's not coming from the future. He's coming from the past to your today, from his victory at the cross to save you right now. So the command is clear. Write what you see right now in the Greek because your present trouble and situation matters to me. Revelation 1.12, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. Now here is the vision. The voice leads to the visuals. It leads to the vision. In the book of Revelation, the seven lampstands represent the seven churches, which represent the universal church of the apostolic age. But that's not all. These seven churches represent seven epochs in church history, not just the universal church in his time, the universal church for all time throughout the ages, sequentially to the end. So I ask the question, where is Jesus when times are hard for you, though? Where is Jesus when you're losing your job and you, you feel like a hypocrite coming to church when you can't see Jesus at work in your life? Where is Jesus when you've been beat up because you stood for Jesus Christ and it hurts for you to stand? Where is Jesus when you see the faults of character in you and you need a fix for them and you want to find the fix? Where is Jesus when you can't fix your life and your life is on hold without him? And John turns around. When he turns around to see the voice, he sees the Son of Man in the midst of the seven churches. Now, if you think Jesus is not with you as you face life's troubles, you don't know the truth and you don't know Jesus. Christ walks in the midst of the seven churches and your church too, your home too, your life too. He cares about the trouble in the church and the trouble that faces the church, but let's make it more profound. He cares about the trouble the members of the church face. He cares about the trouble that you don't even know is coming at you. He is there in the midst of it. And he is closely connected to his people in every age with the solution for every situation. Friend, when you come to church, you need to realize that Jesus comes to church too. Did you hear me? When you come to church, who's here too? You realize Christ is walking in the midst of our church? I mean, he knows it when something negative is said so he can make it positive. He knows when faith is failing so he can inject optimism. He knows where sins are found so he can bring forgiveness, healing, grace, and victory to overcome. 
And he knows when someone is struggling with illness, he's the healer. Now, when you come to church, you need to understand Jesus comes to church too. And Christ is the one who's watching you right now. The Christ who died for you on the cross and rose from the dead sits in the pew and walks in the midst of the seven lampstands. The Christ who suffered for you in the garden when he prayed for you is present in your sufferings. When you pray or not, he's here and he prays for you. The Jesus that is coming in the future to your heart, the second coming in a sense, has already come to the church because he walks in the midst of the seven lampstands as the Son of Man. He leads his people up Mount Zion in the book of Revelation even though he comes in the clouds of glory. He is present with us. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Revelation 1.20, the seven lampstands are the seven churches, the Bible says. Now, who is the Son of Man? Let's look at this. The title Son of Man is a title we find in the book of Daniel. In fact, in one verse, Daniel 7 and verse 13, it describes the final human ruler of the world who will receive the kingdom of God that will become the kingdom of this world at the end of the age. In Luke 19.11, the disciples wanted to know if Jesus would set up his kingdom at the present time, and there was context for their curiosity. Christ said the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost in verse 10. And they knew who the Son of Man was. He was that great hero in Daniel 7. They wanted God's kingdom to come early and to be established right then and there on the ashes of the Roman Empire. Go ahead, Make our day take out the Romans. So Jesus gave a parable to help them understand that he must first have to go away and then return. Luke nineteen twelve, Christ said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive a kingdom and then return. And in the parable, Jesus is the nobleman who is the son of the king. The far off country is heaven itself and the journey is the ascension and the long centuries of delay before his eventual return in the second coming. And just before he returns in the parable, Christ was absolutely clear that something would have to happen in heaven before the second coming of Christ. I mean, these Christians that say, there is no heavenly judgment. You ever hear that? There is no heavenly judgment. It's just stuff that some people are making up. Jesus said, I went in that far off country to receive my kingdom in the presence of God the Father. And when I receive it, then I'm coming back not one day earlier. In that far off country, he will receive his kingdom from the Father. And after he receives it, he will return. Now we know how he receives it in the book of Revelation. He tells us, one name at a time, he will confess our names before the Father. Standing before a holy God who is a consuming fire for sin. Standing before the law of God in the heavenly sanctuary, in the most holy place. The Ark of the Covenant, Revelation eleven nineteen, is in heaven. Standing before God, before the very thing we fear. Christ will confess us before the Father and the holy angels and God will give him the kingdom. Dear heart, the one who took your place at the cross will take your place in the judgment if you have him as Savior and Lord. In that far-off country, he will receive you forever based on what he's done for you. Right now in the heavenly sanctuary, there's a judgment in heaven. And Jesus Christ is receiving his kingdom. The book of Revelation says in Revelation 14, 6, that the hour of his judgment has come. Friend, soon he will come. The parable in Luke 19, 12 is an explanation of Daniel 7, 13, and 14. In Daniel 7, the four great winds of strife stir up the great sea of nations. And out of a sea of nations, four evil beasts arise, one after the other. They come up out of the sea. 
Daniel 7.23 indicates that these four beasts represent four successive world empires. Beast number one, the lion, represents Babylon. Beast number two, the two-sided bear with three ribs, represents the two-sided kingdom of Medo-Persia that conquered the three kingdoms of Babylon, Egypt, and Lydia. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Beast number three, the four-headed leopard, represents the divided Greek world after Alexander the Great, the four generals that took over Greece. And beast number four, the fourth beast with ten horns and iron teeth and bronze claws, represents the iron monarchy of the Roman Empire. Rome divided into the nations of Europe, represented by the ten horns. In Daniel 7, the ten... Divided kingdom of Europe has another horn that arises out of, out of the mix. It takes out three in its rise to power. Do the math with me. Ten horns minus three horns plus one horn equals how many horns? Eight. Very good. I'll have to think about it. You're much quicker than me. Ten minus three equals seven plus one, which equals eight. The eighth king is the Antichrist in Daniel 7. And he is the Antichrist because the number eight is Jesus' number in the Greek in the book of Revelation. The little horn looks like the Son of Man, but he's not the Son of Man. He has eyes like the Son of Man, but he's not the Son of Man. For three and a half prophetic years, he persecutes, undoing what Jesus did for three and a half literal years in his ministry. He arises in the Middle Ages and he conquers the church. He comes up among the ten kingdoms of Europe in the Middle Ages. And he conquers the church in Daniel 7, 21, and 25. But he has no right to rule the church. So in verse 26, in that heavenly judgment, at the end of the Middle Ages, his dominion is taken away. Finally, there's a judgment in heaven. The horn's power is broken. In Daniel 7, 13, the nobleman who went into a far-off country to receive his kingdom in Luke 19, 12, appears at the end of the Middle Ages in heaven to receive his kingdom from God the Father. And let's take our Bibles and turn to it. Daniel seven thirteen, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Now there is the title we see in Revelation 1. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Now he's not coming to the earth here. He is going right smack to the center of the throne room of the universe into the most holy place of God's celestial sanctuary to the Ark of the Covenant, which is the throne of God where the Ancient of Days is sitting on it. And he went for a reason. The Son of Man is there, presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all nations and peoples and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. I want to be a part of that kingdom, don't you? I mean, I'm forward thinking. But to be a part of that kingdom, Christ has to be in my life today. And for you, it must be the same. Christ is the Son of Man who will take his place to establish an unending order. And before Jesus receives his kingdom in full... Before he receives it all, in fact, he came to this world to save his people for it. The Son of Man who appears in the judgment in heaven to receive his kingdom. 
Friend has appeared on earth to save us for it. Before the parable, we find the true attitude of the Son of Man. Luke 19.10, just before the parable, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You know, when you seek someone, you pursue them in life. You come from behind to find the person who cannot find you. In Revelation 1.12, John says, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. Have you done the same today? Or do you just ignore it? Have you turned to see the voice that is speaking to you? And when I turned, I saw one like a son of man walking in the midst of the seven lampstands. Friend, the son of man who will judge the world is the son of man who cares about the world, your family and you. The son of man who received the kingdom cares about the people he receives right now. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The voice of Jesus Christ is not just something you hear in life. The voice is something you see in life because Jesus is near to the one who hears. His voice can be heard right now where you live and you can see Jesus. You know, the surround sound of God, we really need it. When the multitudes left Jesus because they were offended his teaching, Peter chose to stay. He wanted to hear the words of Jesus and live on them as the bread of life for the rest of his life. John 6, 67, 68. Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? And he said, You have the words of eternal life. He said, I want to hear you. I'm tired of the other stuff. I just want to hear Jesus. I want to hear you, Jesus. I don't want to hear rabbis and scribes pontificate. I don't want to hear philosophers and kings extrapolate. And I don't want to hear pundits and priests placate. I want to hear you. You have the words of life. And when the Greeks came from afar because they had heard of Jesus, they wanted more of Jesus. More and more of Jesus, the one they had heard of. The church, dear heart, is a place for the word of Jesus to be heard and to be obeyed. They wanted to do more than just hear Jesus. John 12, 21, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And when John heard the voice behind him, he turned to see the voice and he saw Jesus. He saw the Son of Man. And that's whom you need to see today. That's whom I need to see every day. That's why it's important to hear the Word of God in church, to study the Bible, to listen to the Holy Spirit, and then turn around. Surround sound is coming from behind you, and God is calling out to you in Jesus to be with you. The voice of the vision is His voice, and when you stop on the Lord's Day and you turn around, you suddenly see the voice that has been calling out to you every day for all your life. It comes together on the Lord's Day. Right where you are in life is Jesus. He is standing in the midst of the seven lampstands for you, representing you before God, praying for you every moment of your life. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you. Standing behind you, looking straight at you, seeing with that part of you that you cannot see, and calling out for you to turn around and see the vision of the Son of Man. The Greeks who came to Jesus got it right. They got it right. They said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. As you have heard the word of God, do what John did. Stop. Turn around and see the voice of the vision who is the Son of Man walking in the midst of the seven lampstands looking at you. Dear Heavenly Father, we struggle in the world we live in. It's just a fact. You said we're to be in the world, but not of it. 
Lord, thank you that Jesus has overcome the world. Thank you that the Christ we find, the voice we hear that's calling us to stop, turn around, and look is the voice of the one who died for us. Father, may every person here do a real moral assessment in their life, as I must do. As we live on the eve of the advent of Jesus, we've not been called to spiritual weakness. We've not been called, Lord, to just float around, you know, making ourselves feel good with entertainment, forgetting that we must be people of the Word of God, dynamically engaged with the lost world to be saved ourselves because we must be in relationship with Jesus to benefit from the cross. So, Father, I pray this day that you'll bless everyone here. May there be no discouragement in our ranks. Thank you for the Christ who died for every sin. Thank you for the Lord who ever lives to make intercession for us. Thank you for the one who's able to finish the work he starts within us. So, Father, help us all in this place, everyone, to get their eyes off of self unto Jesus, to serve instead of be served, to live for Christ instead of asking Christ to just do everything for us in the sense of, of things that we could do for him. Lord, we're grateful for what the Savior has done. We ask you to lead us when we need it, but to come behind us when we need it too. And Father, thank you that you're in the journey, in the mix. Give us the patient endurance of the saints. And Father, thank you so much for Jesus, the Son of Man, who walks in the midst of the lampstands for us. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. Well, that will conclude The Voice of the Vision, today's Reaching Your Heart. Remember, you can find it online along with many other messages at reachingyourheart.com. And don't forget, you can visit us at the church for the worship service every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We'd love to have you there. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart.